You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. Two weekends ago, we uh, moved into a, a study of the life, or more, the story of Gideon. The story of Gideon is found in jo- uh, Judges chapters 6 through 8. Uh, Gideon was one of the 15 judges of Israel and was considered to be the greatest judge. Um, we skipped last week because we had the privilege of hearing from Dr. Glenn Burris, the president of our Foursquare denomination. And so today uh, we move back into Gideon's story. And as we do, I think you're going to find that the words that Carrie so beautifully sang in that song are going to take on great meaning as we work to see how do we take Gideon's story, at least a portion of that story, and how do we apply it to our lives for this spiritual growth and transformation. So with that in mind, I want you to take your Bibles, uh, open it up to uh, Judges chapter 6, Judges chapter 6, and um, take out your teaching notes, if you would, and I'm, I'm going to pray as we get going this morning. Would you bow your heads as we pray? Father God, thank you. Uh, we're just so grateful that you uh, want to be here with us this morning. Um, Thank you that we could come together to, to uh, worship you and to commit ourselves to grow, to become like you. And so we surrender ourselves right now. We, uh, we ask that over the next few minutes as we look to your word, as we look to Gideon's story, a portion of that story, that you would reveal to us um, spiritual truths and that by the power of your word and through the power of your Holy Spirit, that transformation takes place. So that when we leave, we would truly leave differently than when we came. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Well, I want to begin this morning by presenting you with or giving you uh, some quotes or some lines that you might hear about a character whose popularity has spanned actually several decades and several generations. Um, Uh, And as I uh, present you with these uh, quotes, uh, maybe that the character has said or what others have said about him, um, I want you to try to figure out if you can determine whom I'm talking about. And if you do figure it out, don't say it out loud, okay? We'll kind of do a grand reveal at, at the end, okay? So here are some of the things that you might hear this character say about himself. He says, I get a C in everything. I am just a real blah student. Or he might say, Um, uh, I confess that I'm a loser, but at least I'm not a bad loser. I'm a good loser. I'm so good at losing, I lose at everything. Or maybe if you were to observe this character, you might observe that every time he tries to kick a football, he misses it. There's a clue. Uh, Or maybe you would see that he's the guy whose kite always gets stuck up in the tree. Um, you, you might recognize this character. You might be able to identify him by what some of his best friends would say about him. One in particular, she would say something like this. Um, you're a foul ball in the drive line of life. Or she might say, you're a miscue. Or you're the third putt on the 18th green. You're a 7-10 split in the final frame. You're a dropped rod and reel in the lake of life. You are a real blockhead. Who am I talking about? Charlie Brown. 
Charlie Brown. We know Charlie Brown from the Peanuts comic script. Uh, over the years, we've watched seasonally during the holidays, Charlie Brown and the Peanuts gang. And, and, and we've watched. And as we've watched, one of the things that I think we can conclude is that Charlie Brown is a young man who is struggling with his own shortcomings. He's always dealing with his failures. And whether or not he hides it very well, Charlie Brown is a young man who is struggling with his own insecurities. And with that, this morning, I want to say, I think that there's a little bit of Charlie Brown in all of us. Maybe sometimes there's a lot of Charlie Brown. Here's what I mean. We all have our ups and downs, our highs and lows in life. And in those ups and downs, in those highs and lows, we all have um, fears and anxieties that come along with those struggles. And those fears and those anxieties, um, uh, they, uh, if we're not on guard, they have the ability to, to take root and cause insecurity to grow in our lives. We all have a little bit of Charlie Brown in us. Uh, when we allow these insecurities to uh, take root and begin to grow in our life, what happens is they invade our thinking and they distort how we actually think about ourselves and they affect how we navigate through life. Um, I'm going to tell you something this morning, and um, I hope that I don't offend you when I say this. Probably it's something that you already know, but just in case you don't, you have the ability to be your greatest enemy. Let me say that again. You have the ability to be your greatest enemy. I have the ability to be my greatest enemy. And I believe that there are two culprits that contribute uh, to this reality. And the first is our um, too large of a concern, being concerned about what other people think about us. When we're concerned about what other people... Th Have you ever been in a situation and done something, said something, and you're thinking, oh gosh, I wonder what they're all thinking. I wonder what they're saying. You know what I want to tell you? They weren't even thinking about you. <laughs> it went right over their head. Sometimes we worry aimlessly. We're thinking, oh, I know they thought this. I know they thought that. And tr trust me, they, they're not thinking about you. They're probably thinking about themselves. The, the, the second culprit that contributes uh, to insecurity is... Things that people say about us are things that people say to us. And what happens is these two culprits have the ability to work together to create this toxic fertilizer that unfortunately causes our insecurities to grow. Um, when we talk about insecurities... What, what is it that we're really talking about? If, if, if I say I'm, I'm an insecure person, if I say, Chris, you're, you're just a real insecure person, what, what am I, you're not. Uh, what, 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 am I, what am I talking about? Well, insecurity refers to a profound sense of self-doubt and a deep feeling of uncertainty about our basic worth in life and, um, and, and our place in the world. Insecurity is associated with chronic self-consciousness. It's associated with chronic lack of confidence in ourselves. And it's associated with having anxiety and fear 
about relationships. The person who lives uh, in insecurity lives uh, with a constant fear of rejection. And um, that person lives with a concern, an anxiety about whether or not their feelings or their desires are actually legitimate. Um, and here's what I want to say. I guess another way to think about insecurity is that insecurity stems from our deepest fears of not being good enough or not measuring up. And if we're not careful, if we aren't on guard, then these uh, insecurities, um, they, they, they rob us of our potential if we allow them to. They rob us of our potential and they keep us from living to the fullest the life that God has planned for us. So this would be a great point for me. I don't want you to answer this out loud because I don't want you to expose yourself this morning. But I think we all deal with insecurities. Would you take just a moment and determine what are some of the insecurities that you deal with in your life? Maybe that you have dealt with or maybe some that you're dealing with right now. Would you take just a moment and try to identify those? Maybe for many, something immediately came to mind. Maybe some of you are having to work a little harder. But what I want to say is that Scripture gives us an answer to move beyond our insecurities. You might even be saying, well, what does insecurity have to do with the story of Gideon? Well, uh, it's real simple. Gideon was not immune from the danger of insecurity. In fact, what we'll find is there was at least one portion of Gideon's life where he was overtaken by insecurity. But fortunately, he was able to move beyond the insecurity so that he could do what God had called him to do. God had called him to be a mighty warrior. He, he said, you are a mighty warrior and you're going to deliver Israel from the hands of the Midianites. And so Gideon was able to move beyond that insecurity so that he could actually do uh, what God had called him to do. Um, I want you to take your Bibles now that you have them open and I want to read to you uh, uh, a portion of uh, what we read two weeks ago. We looked at uh, chapter 6. We looked at the first 16 verses. Today we're going to focus in on verses 11 through 16 of that same chapter, chapter 6. And as I read, I want you to see if you could determine where Gideon's insecurities uh, crop up. So listen as I read. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak at Ophah uh, that belonged to Joash the Abiazrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all the wonders uh, that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Were you able to identify where those uh, insecurities rose up? 
It's it's pretty, pretty obvious. When we look at verse 14, what we see very clearly is that God had a call on Gideon's life. Gideon, go in the strength you have and deliver Israelites from the Midianites. Go in the strength you have. The call was very clear. But just as clear as the call was in verse 14, when we look at verse 15, the, the insecurities are equally clear. God calls Gideon. He says, go and deliver in the strength you have. And it's if suddenly Gideon began to look inward and he began this self-assessment. And after his self-assessment, he began to conclude, well, uh, 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 par- pardon, pardon me, God, but are you really, have you really thought this through? You're, you're asking me? To go and deliver the Israelites from the hands of the Midianites. But uh, have you really thought this through? Because there's not much there in the way of my family. I mean, we're the, we're the smallest of the, of, of the tribes of Manasseh. And, and then on top of that, God, I'm actually the weakest link in, in my family. And, and so you're calling me. You're saying to me, go and deliver uh, Israel, the Israelites from the hands of the Midianites. God, it's, it's just not possible for me to do that. Pardon me, Lord, but I am unable. I, I wonder if what happened is when uh, Gideon, uh, Gideon <laughs> turned inward and he began to assess he heard the Lord say, go in the strength you have. And maybe there was an interpretation. Maybe he thought that God was saying, Gideon, you've got strength. Now use that strength and go. And so he began to look inside to somehow conjure up some kind of self-confidence. Uh, 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 okay, I heard what the Lord said. Go and deliver the Israelites. Um, I, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I, 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 think, I think I can. I thought I, I, I can't do this. I, I really can't do this. I don't have what it takes. But then in verse 16, God makes it very clear that he's not calling Gideon to conjure up some self-confidence so that he can go and be the deliverer. Instead, he says this, the Lord answered, I will be with you and will strike, you, strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. To me, that's very obvious that God wasn't saying, muster up the strength that you have and go. But instead, it's not about your own self-confidence, but it's about the fact that you would trust in me. That I am going to go with you. And it's because I'm going to go with you that you will be the mighty warrior that I've called you to be. And you will be victorious. You can count on that. Gideon asked, how can I... And God responded, I'll be with you. God intervened when Gideon was focused inward. God intervened and helped uh, Gideon focus upward. When Gideon said, I can't, God said, I will. That's powerful if you think about it. Because the same is true in our lives. God calls us to do something. And so often in our insecurities, we say, pardon me, God. 
But I'm not able to do that. Have you really thought through who you're talking to? I'm weak. I'm not strong. I don't have this. I don't have the ability to do that. Pardon me, God. I can't do that. And God is saying, it's not about your own self-confidence. It's not about your own power. It's not about your might. It's not about your strength. I will go with you and you will be victorious in what I've called you to do. When we say, I can't, God is saying, I will. We can count on that. We can, we can trust that. Um, here's the truth about insecurities. Our insecurities are nothing more than negative interpretations that we've made about ourselves, others, circumstances, and about what may or may not happen. Uh, on the surface, our insecurities are just negative opinions and perspectives that we've latched onto. They're lies. At the end of the day, they're, they're lies that we believed. And here's the deal. If we're not careful, if we're not on guard, these negative interpretations, these negative perceptions, these lies that we've entertained will become like a cancer. It'll breed insecurity in us. And ultimately, I believe that insecurity has the power to destroy us. Um, just interesting, this week, uh, as I was working on this message this past Tuesday, um, I was working on it at the Cornelius campus and I was in a, a room there called the Gathering Place. And that room is just a few feet away from the main sanctuary uh, and on the Cornelius campus. Um, uh, in the sanctuary, there was a gathering uh, at about three o'clock in the afternoon. There was a gathering of about seven to 800 people. And unfortunately, they were there for a funeral. They were there for a funeral of a young man whom 18 years old, um, I don't know all the details, but about a week and a half ago, for some reason, he determined that he needed to take his own life, and he did. And again, I don't know all the details, but um, I took a break from my, my study, and I stepped over into uh, the back of the sanctuary just to be a part of the service for just a little bit. I, I wanted to hear, it wasn't because I wanted to hear the details of what he did and why and how he did it, but I, I, I was... I, I, I was just curious that what, uh, what, what was going on? And, and as I listened to the service, um, I began to wonder, and again, I don't know the details, so I can't assign it to this, but I began to wonder, is it possible that somewhere along the way, this young man began to um, have a seed of insecurity planted in his life? And from that seed, um, it, it was fertilized. And, and, and it began to grow for whatever the reasons might be. And that it brought him to a point where secure, uh, insecurity had, had taken uh, root in him to such a way that he felt like, I can't continue to live. I, I, have to, I have to take my life. Now, again, I don't know if that's the case, but I'm just telling you, it caused me to wonder because I believe that insecurity has the power to do something like that. That's why we have to be on guard. We have to make sure that we don't set ourselves up for a collision with insecurity that robs us uh, in the lies and that keeps us from doing what God has called us to do. Insecurity starts in seed form, but it always needs help to grow. And I think that there are probably volumes of books that we could uh, write uh, discussing uh, reasons why insecurity uh, is, is fertilized and what causes it to grow. And obviously, we don't have time to do that. 
but what we can do, I want to identify uh, three uh, culprits or partners of insecurity. You won't find these in your notes, so you might want to write them down. But uh, three things that just contribute to the growth of insecurity. And the first of them is um, uh, insecurity breeds, it grows when there's a toxic environment. A toxic environment is when we surround ourselves with people who have um, a critical spirit. Uh, hurt people hurt people, right? Uh, when there's a woundedness or when there's, uh, when there's something, some kind of dysfunction or some kind of uh, toxicity within uh, that person or that group of person. And when we expose ourselves to that, if we're not careful, if we're not on guard, what happens is we begin to hear, we begin to take in, and we begin to believe the lies that are being made uh, in the environment. Things that really aren't true, creating false perceptions, uh, false opinions uh, uh, about what's going on. And, and in that, uh, if we're not careful, uh, it, it, it can take over us. And in that toxic environment, for some, it might have to do with uh, the family that you grew up in. Or it might have to do with a family dynamic, a dysfunctional family dynamic that, that's happening right now. Or that toxic environment might be uh, the people that you're forced to or either you've chosen to hang out with. And there's something going on. There's a toxicity in those people that the poison is actually affecting how you think about life and how you navigate through life. Or maybe it's because of your workplace. Uh, there's a toxic environment in your workplace and you're kind of stuck there. We have to be on guard because uh, whatever the poison, whatever the toxicity, if we're not careful, it will affect how we navigate through life. It will affect how we think about ourselves and it has the ability to, to alter, alter life. Um, you've heard me talk on at least one occasion uh, about my mom. My mom uh, passed away three years ago. She was 95 and um, she was born in 1923, grew up during the depression. And um, there was a mystery surrounding my mom's family. Um, my mom uh, was raised in the home and there was a, a father figure in the home who may or may not have been her real father. It was, it was, a, it was a mystery. Uh, the mother figure in the home, she knew was not her real mother. It was a foster mom. And that's how she referred to her, her foster mother. Um, there was a family secret that many of the family members knew, but swore that they would take it to their grave and they would never tell. They would never tell. So she grew up uh, in this, this mystery of not knowing really who her parents were. Maybe this man is my dad, maybe not. No one will tell me the secret. Um, uh, as she was growing up, it was back in the day when, uh, when it was time for the census, the census taker came to your home. Uh, and really the census more so then was about counting. What, what's, what's our population? Um, and my mom, I recall my mom telling me the story that she remembers that when they knew the census taker was coming to their home, they actually took my mom and they hid her. They hid her away. Now think about it. The census count, uh, taker was coming to count how many people were in that home and my mom was hidden away so she couldn't be counted. And there was a seed that was planted there of insecurity which over the years grew because in my mom's life as she grew up, she grew up with a feeling, I don't count. 
what I have to contribute doesn't count. And so that affected how she, it was her filter. It's how she navigated through life. Um, and so it robbed her of living the fullest life that God had for her. She loved God with all of her heart. She, she, she was born again, spirit filled, but there was something that was missing because there was an insecurity that took root and was fertilized over the years. Just to top the story off, when she was in her 80s, she was actually able to discover who her real mom and her real dad were. And it was neither of those people living in her home. So it was a point of freedom that came to her in her 80s. I tell you that story because, again, I want to just remind us that insecurity has a way of invading our thought life, invading our spirit, and causing us to have a misconception, causes us to buy into the lies uh, uh, rather than the truth that God says. Uh, a second is comparison. Comparison. Um, I've come to realize that in this world there are... Um, not just hundreds, not just thousands, but maybe millions of people who do the same kind of thing I do. They're teachers, they're pastors, they're shepherds. Um, and what I've come to realize is that out of those potentially millions of people, there are more than I could count who do what they do much better than I do. For you, there are hundreds or thousands or millions of people in the world who do the same thing you do. And here's the reality. There will always be many who do it better than you do. And again, that's just a fact of life. We can't get hung up in that. Because here's what the Bible says in Psalm 139. We were, we were very uniquely crafted and created by God. And I have come to realize there is no one else in the world by God's design like me. And there is no one else who will ever do things the way I do. And there are people that I will reach that others can't. And there are people that others can reach that I want. But I use my gifting. And when I begin to compare myself to the others, then I handicap myself. I, I, I actually hinder myself through insecurity from doing what God has called me to do. And the same is true for you. If we live, if you live in comparison, it will seed, it will fertilize insecurity and you will find yourself not living in a confidence that comes from God, but you'll be uh, chronically self-conscious, always doubting yourself. And, and that's not how God has called us to live. You'll always find someone better. A, a, a third uh, is the... the um, the critical inner voice. We all have a, let me, let me ask you this, and, and I've hesitated to know how to ask this in every service, but um, uh, how many of you, and when I say this, I'm not crazy, and if you confess, I'll think you're not crazy. How many of you ever have uh, this committee that meets in your head? <laughs> if you're willing, to, if you have a committee meeting that goes on in your head, raise your hand. Yeah, you brave souls. Listen, I'm, I do, and I'm not crazy, and you do, and you're not crazy. Um, uh, because really all those voices are, are our own. And so um, there are times in my mind that I can be my worst critic. And as doing that, what I'm doing is I'm working, I'm functioning out of insecurity because I'm telling myself who I'm not, what I can't do, uh, what I'm unable to do. I distinctly remember a time in my 
early to mid-30s where I went through a period where the committee in my head was really loud. And again, I'm not crazy. Uh, but the, uh, I, I, I had a, a allowed myself to believe uh, the voices of my own accusation against myself. And I was making accusations against myself like, you're stupid. You don't know what you're doing. No one wants to hear what you have to say. You have nothing to offer. You don't measure up. And I took it as far as not only did I hear those accusations that really I was making against myself, but I actually took a piece of paper and I wrote them down. And I filled an entire page of self-sabotage talk against myself. Do you know how much that list benefited me? Zero. You know how much it hurt me? It's not even measurable. Because what it did is it... um, it hindered me. It, it blocked me. Uh, as long as I was going to believe the lies, then I could not accomplish what God was saying about me. And thankfully, I was able to come to a place that I realized that I am fearfully and wonderfully made and that there is no one else in the universe like me and that I am, just as we heard in the song this morning, I am who God says I am. And all of those accusations that I had made against myself and written down on paper, I came to realize those are lies. Every one of those are lies because here's what the truth is. The Bible says that I am the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that when I come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that all of the old junk of the past is gone and I am a brand new creation. And that when God looks at me, he looks at me through the blood of Jesus. And that my life is hidden away with Christ in God. And it's true that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength because he strengthens me through the power of the Holy Spirit. And those things are the things that I now believe about myself. And I want to say to you, If your critic, if your inner critic is making accusations against you that are going against what God says about you, stop believing those lies. They're not true and they're keeping you from living the life that God has called you to live. We got to buck up and we've got to say, God, this is who you say I am. And so I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to stop bellyaching about myself and making these false accusations. But instead, I'm going to live by the truth of the word. That's what we have to do. We must do that. Um, Here's what I've learned about insecurity through the story of Gideon. Insecurities create a flawed view of who we are and what we can do. They create a flawed view of who we are and what we can do. That was true of Gideon. Pardon me, God, but I can't. The flawed view that Gideon had of himself is that he could not be the mighty warrior that God had called him to be. And I wonder how often do we have that pardon me God conversation. Pardon me God, but I can't. And I'm going to remind us that when we say I can't, God says I will. Because it's not about our self-confidence. Insecurities cause us to make excuses rather than take action. Um, initially, uh, Gideon's insecurity became an excuse. Not only did he say, I can't, but he said, I can't because. I can't because 
I'm weak. My family is weak. And it causes me to wonder, how often do we have that conversation with God? God, pardon me, but I can't because, and you fill in the blank with whatever your excuse is. We we can't be making excuses. Um, Insecurities cause us to say no when God says go. Thankfully, in Gideon's story, his insecurity only caused a pause. Uh, We'll see next week when we conclude Gideon's story that Gideon was able to move beyond his insecurities and uh, uh, do what God had called him to do, to deliver um, Israel from the hands of the Midianites. And he was very uh, victorious in doing it. But let me ask, how often do we allow our insecurities to become a roadblock instead of a pause? I think it's probably pretty natural when we know God is asking us to do something that we stop and we ask a question. And I think that that's okay as long as we don't live there. It can be a pause, but we have to be able to move on. And the way we move on is we remember who God is and what he says about us. Um, We all have insecurities of some kind. The real question is not whether, is whether or not our insecurities are substantial enough to limit us, to hurt us, to hinder us or distract us from embracing the, and fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. Um, let's get practical in the last few minutes. How do we move beyond our insecurities? Three things. Uh, we begin by recognizing that if uh, we want to defeat them, we have to face them. We've got to learn to be truthful with ourselves. If we have insecurities, we need to confess what they are and we need to offer them up to God. And when we offer them up to him, then he, by the work of the Holy Spirit, can work in us to uh, remove us from those uh, insecurities. Um, We have to live confidently knowing that God is with us and God is able. Remember, it's not about trying to conjure up Uh, self-confidence. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can because the reality is it's in ourselves. We can't. But instead, it's about recognizing that God, you say you will. And so therefore, I am able. And finally, we have to confront the lies and replace them with the truth that comes from God's word. And I've been talking about that throughout the the message. Um, We have to I know we talk about this often, but I think it's really important. Um, If we're going to confront the lies, we've got to have a reservoir of truth. And the only place to find that truth is if we become students of the word. If If we're studying this and we're taking it in and we're learning, we're putting to heart what God says about us, who he says we are. When we do that, when the lies come, we can go, actually, that's not true. Because you say this. But God says this, I'm not going to believe that. I am going to believe this. And trust me, if we can live in that way, it'll change our lives. If we can live as students of the word, building up the reservoir of what God says about us. But we have to engage with the word to do that. Listen, God is able. We must not allow allow our insecurities to roadblock or hijack uh, God's plan for our lives. Um. As we were listening to the song earlier this morning, I was caught by really the first couple of lines. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Is that true of you? 
Are you hearing voices in your mind that say you're not enough? That you don't measure up? It goes on to say, the only thing that matters now is everything you, God, thinks of me. In you I find my worth. I find my identity. We have to keep coming back to the fact that our identity is in Jesus Christ. And that's true because God has accepted us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are new creations. We are no longer in the past, but we are in Christ. And we have to live that way. And when we live that way, we can move beyond our insecurities. Amen? Would you stand? I want to pray for us before we leave today. Father, thank you for Gideon's story. Thank you for the truth found in it. Thank you for the example we have of a man who moved beyond his insecurities and he trusted in you. He understood where his strength comes from. Father God, I pray for all of us in the room today because I don't think any of us are immune from insecurities. Father God, we don't want to be a people who are tied down, who are hijacked by insecurities. Uh, We don't want to have our potential robbed because of insecurity. We don't want to be unable to live the life that you have planned for us and called us to live because we've parked in insecurities. And so I ask for freedom for all of us today. In fact, we break the power of insecurity in our hearts and in our lives, in our minds. And we say that we're going to walk forward fully trusting in you, recognizing who we are in you, that our identity is in Jesus Christ. I pray that you would cause us to be permeated in our heart, in our mind, in our spirit. So we surrender ourselves to you today. We offer ourselves and we pray this in the most powerful name. That's the name of Jesus. We pray and say amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.